Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Amen. And you can be seated here, and if you're standing at 12 Stone Home, you can be seated there too. Man, just say his name. Just say Jesus, would you? One, two, three. Jesus. There's no other name in heaven and earth that, that we should bow to but Jesus. And we celebrate. We can celebrate that. See, here at 12 Stone, we say because of Jesus, we pursue personal transformation one life at a time. And we believe that what God's been doing in this Jonah series has been transformative in the life of this church. And today, we're wrapping week four of the Jonah series. We're done with Jonah after this week. And so I want all of us just to collectively say, aw, on three. One, two, three. Aw. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss the book of Jonah. Maybe you want to give us a sad face in the chat. Let us know. Man, this has been an incredible, incredible four-week walk through the book of Jonah. And we think God has something for us here today inside of this book. Pastor Sean last weekend talked about revival. But I want to I catch us all up. Maybe you're new to 12 Stone, you're jumping in, you're like, Jonah, I know about a fish, but what, how do we get to where we're going to be today? I want to catch us up with that. Maybe you're a heathen and you've missed church for three weeks, and so, we, I'm just kidding, and we got to catch you up. That's okay, God still loves you. We want to catch you up, and so I thought, the reality is we've got kids all over the place. Here in this room, you've got kids at 12 Stone Home, you've got kids in your living room, and so I wanted to ask my friend Travis, you here, Travis? Why don't you hop up here, man? Everyone say hi, Travis. Hi. Here's the deal, Travis. You've got three young daughters, right? I do, I do. How old are they? Uh, almost two, and then uh, five and seven. You need to get to those numbers quick. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Don't ask me how long I've been married. I have no <laughs> shot at that. Sorry to your wife. So, Travis, you tell your daughters, um, like, Bible stories, yeah, right? Yeah, You're a good dad. You do that stuff. I am a good dad, right, honey? Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's true. If that was your wife, that's total not my point. wife. It's not I your don't wife. know who that person is. I'm sorry. <laughs> neither, neither do I. So you tell your daughter's Bible story. So yes, here's what yeah, I want to do. Yeah. I, want, I want you to help us catch up in the book of Jonah. We'll go through each of the first three chapters. And I want you to tell us the story of Jonah like you might tell your daughters, like when you're tucking them in bed at night, that kind of sure, thing. Sure. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Are you going to interrupt me with questions like every five seconds like they do? <laughs> uh, I might, just, <laughs> okay, just okay. to make it feel real. So, All right. Let's start with chapter one. We called chapter one, we called that rebellion. Okay. So let's catch up. What happened? Okay. So, uh, hi. I don't know why I'm saying hi. Just get to it. Uh, okay. Uh, so a long time ago, God asked a guy named Joa, Jonah, Joah. <laughs> Oh for one, Trav. Oh for one. <laughs> yeah, my, my my kids would be like interrupting me, like, actually, Dad, it's Jonah. I'm like, you're right, kids. Uh, so he invited a guy named Jonah to go to a city called Nineveh and tell them all about how much he loved them. But he didn't want to go because Nineveh was full of jerks, right? They were bad people and they were mean to Jonah. And so Jonah said, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go here instead. And so he literally went the opposite direction, hopped on a boat so that he could go across the ocean to another city. And on the way there, because he was being disobedient, God brought this huge storm that freaked out everyone on the boat. And oh, so no, Dad, what do they do? Right, yeah. I'm in. I'm this in. is the point where they're asking about like buoyancy and why they're throwing <laughs> things off the boat and like weird stuff that I don't have any answers for. Uh, so uh, uh -huh. what he does is he realizes that, oh my word, it's because I'm disobedient this is happening. So if you throw me into the ocean, then God will make the storm stop. And guess what they did? They threw him into the ocean and immediately the storm stopped. 
And that's where we end. Yeah, that's chapter, chapter right? one. That's, okay. rebe- that's rebellion. That's, yes. Chapter two, we talk about repentance. Yes. So what happens next? This is okay. where it gets good. Yeah. So he's in the ocean, and all of a sudden, this huge fish comes up and swallows him. I don't know if it was a fish or a whale. Don't ask me How about big? How big? Real big. Big enough to swallow a human person. Like That's, <laughs> that's big, kids. Very Real big. big. Real big. And so he's inside, and he suddenly realized this was a terrible, terrible plan. And so what he does is... Uh, he writes this poem and he apologizes to God and says, I was wrong. I never should have disobeyed you. Uh, you are gracious. Please forgive me and I'll go do what you ask. And so he repents. He asks for forgiveness. And that's the end of chapter two. Yeah. And right? scene. And scene. Okay, yes. good job. Now cliffhanger. We to, the cliffhanger of chapter yeah. two. Now we're on chapter three. And this is where Pastor Sean was last week. And we call this chapter Revival. Revival. So uh, as soon as he does that, like he just throws him up on a dry How land. Of you, any, any, any sympathetic pukers in the room? Like, <laughs> Sorry. Dry stone home, just, uh, oh, I can't no, hear don't. that noise. Yeah, so uh, he, he vomits Jonah up onto dry land. Jonah's not dry. He's covered in vomit. He probably gets some hand sanitizer and just washed himself down. Then he says, okay, I'm going to go to Nineveh. And he preaches to Nineveh to say, uh, as basically as he can, you guys need to stop disobeying or God's going to punish you. And guess what? Nineveh actually apologizes. They ask forgiveness. They come back to God and God forgives them, says, welcome back. I love you uh, and you're forgiven. And that's the end of chapter and three. And that's the end of chapter three. Thank right? you, Travis. Well done. And you're going to do thank- four though. I'll do four. Okay. 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 Thank good. Thank you. Thank you. My kids would be asleep by now. Correct. There's Your no kids, doubt. They're out. There'd be snoring. And so, Pat, last week we ended with revival. And, and we said that although you could tell the story of Jonah like a, like a children's story, it's so much more than a children's story. At, at the core of the book of Jonah lies the word revival. And we want to sort of catch you up. When we say revival, what do we, what do we mean by that? Uh, we asked uh, the ruggedly handsome Pastor Jason Berry to catch us up. And so this is from, we, you're supposed to laugh, from week one... Actually, thank you for not laughing. Uh, this is week one. What do we mean when we say revival? Check it out. See, Jonah is so much more than a children's story. See, inside the book of Jonah, we're going we're gonna to talk about rebellion. And we're going to talk about repentance. And we're going to talk about revival. And we're going to talk about resentment. In fact, those are the four weeks of this series. Today, I'm hitting the topic of rebellion. Next week, Pastor Kevin is going to talk about repentance. And then we're going to walk through revival and resentment. And I think, listen, I believe that God wants to use this series in the life of this church. You are here at a phenomenal time. In fact, the core of the story of Jonah is really about revival. Everybody here in the chat, 12 Stone Home, I want you to say revival on three. One, two, three. Revival. See, now when you say that word, depending on where and how you grew up, that word either makes you smile or makes you cringe, right? I can't help but hear the word revival in a southern accent. Revival. I can't help but hear it that way. But let me, just, just to be clear, I, wanna, I want us to be on the same page. When I say revival, let me tell you what I mean. Let's put this up on the screen. Here's what revival is. It's a supernatural move of God where the church wakes up to God's agenda and the world bows to Jesus. Let me break this down. Revival is a supernatural move of God, meaning we don't do this. We can't make it happen. That's why we pray. It's God's agenda where the church wakes up to God's agenda that's y'all. That's you, 12 Stone Home, where we wake up to God's amazing agenda, and then the world bows to Jesus. And listen, the order matters. And so that's what we mean when we say revival. And this weekend, we get a chance to end the Jonah series with chapter four. I'm going I'm to give you a caution. 
Listen, you can start to turn to chapter four if you'd like. You can follow along with us here at 12 Stone Home. But chapter four is a is an interesting book of the Bible. It's sort of anticlimactic. Like last week, revival, the whole city bows, and then we get to chapter four, and it feels like, like in Hollywood when you end a movie. Like when you end a movie, it usually ends on like the hero wins, and it's a big upside. Jonah chapter four feels a lot more like, if you're a Marvels fan, you guys like Marvel movies? Yep. So Marvel movies, at the end of uh, the Marvel movie, Avengers Infinity War, it's like Thanos snaps, half the people die, and the movie ends, and you're like, What? You remember that feeling? I'm sorry. If you've not seen that, uh, that's, that's, you're bad. I don't know what to tell you. Travis is legit offended. I'm sorry. Tolson Home, if you've not seen it, it's literally on Netflix, I think. So Disney Plus, get it. Watch it. It's good. But the end of that movie, you snap, and it's like, that's it? That's, that's Jonah chapter four. So just prepare yourself. This doesn't get like awesome, cool ending. It ends like the Thanos snaps. Let's pick up where Pastor Sean left off last week. Chapter 3, verse 10. Here's the end of chapter 3. When God saw what they, Nineveh, did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Awesome. That's that's incredibly good news, right? Jonah Jonah went in and he preached and said, listen, God's going to destroy the city. And they turned. And I expect chapter 4 to start with Jonah like running through the streets, clapping and celebrating. When we have a, an altar call and we say, and see people say yes to Jesus, we celebrate with all of heaven. And so surely, <laughs> surely that's where Noah or Jonah is at. So here's chapter 4, verse 1. Let's see where he's at. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. What? Jonah, plot twist, right? Like revival happened, Jonah. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. Jonah was angry at what God had done. He was angry that, that God spared the Ninevites. Don't forget, Jonah hated them. They were the enemies of the Israelites, the enemies of his people. Jonah hated them. And so when God spared them, Jonah is angry. See, God measured their repentance and gave grace, gave mercy, spared them. And Jonah didn't like it. Why? Jonah sort of starts to reveal his heart. He prayed to the Lord. Jonah prayed to the Lord. He said, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Drama queen, just kill me, God. This is so bad. What? Jonah, Jonah is so frustrated. We see that Jonah ran to Nineveh, not because he didn't know God, but because he did know God. It's like Jonah saying, God, this isn't fair. This is not what's supposed to happen, God. I wanted those people to be destroyed. Now, before we throw Jonah under the bus too hard, don't pretend that there's not people in your life that you wish God would do a little something to, right? Some of y'all got an ex. And maybe, (laughs) someone laughed too hard. Maybe some of y'all have an ex, that maybe you don't want God to kill him, but like a, like a twisted ankle could be kind of cool, right? Maybe, maybe y'all got a, a boss, a former boss that like, if they lost their job, you'd be kind of okay with it. Wow, that guy's got a bad boss. Wait, that guy works at 12 Stone. Anyway, I'm just kidding. <laughs> y'all better not be clapping in the back. Maybe you have someone you loan money to, and they say, listen, I'll catch you on Friday. It's been five years of Friday, and you still don't got your money. You're like, God, don't kill him, but maybe break a femur, right? Like, I could, I could deal with that. Listen, don't, don't pretend like Jonah is like some monster. He's not. He's human. We've all had those moments where you're like, God, how could you do that? See, Jonah was so mad. 
And he's so mad because he said, God, isn't this what I said you would do? I told you if, if, if they would repent, that you would spare them. I knew it. His anger was bubbling up. So he said, this isn't fair. See, in verses one through three, we deal with Jonah's anger. In verses four through 11, we, we deal with God's answer to Jonah's anger. And so here's the question God asked in verse four. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Just a simple question. Is it right for you to be angry? How many of y'all know this? When God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Y'all know that? Like God, God's not like, I wonder what Jonah, no, God knows the answer. When God asks you a question, it's, it's because he's trying to give you a bigger picture of, of what he's trying to teach you. So here's, here's what I want to show you. How many of y'all know what this is right here? This, this is a yardstick. Some of you younger folks are like, that's the biggest ruler I've ever seen. No, it's a yardstick. And back in the day, before we had like phones that could measure things and laser measurers, you actually would like lay this out and measure stuff. Some of y'all flinched when you saw it because you used to get whooped with one of these when you were a kid before everyone got a trophy. So here's the deal. This is... Hold on. I, I, that's, not, that's, not on the, that's not on the paper. Uh, back to me. Let's go. So this is a yardstick. Back in the day, this is how you'd measure stuff. And there's two things every man needs to learn from his dad. Russ, where are you at? I'm sure, Russ is not out here. Russ is a wood guy. Like he knows how to, how to measure, how to do tools. There's two things I'm sure he taught his kids. First is this, fill in the blank. Righty, tidy, lefty, Lucy, right? The second one is this, measure twice, cut once. And this is what you use to measure. I learned my lesson. Uh, my wife and I were married for like a week. And we, yeah, I was really wise. And we moved into our, into our, our house and it was like a duplex that was 100 years old. So the stairway was tiny. So I measured our, our, our queen size box spring and I measured it perfectly. I had my tape measure out. I measured it. I knew it was going to fit. So we brought it in and my wife and I are trying to take it up the stairs. This is our very first argument in our marriage. I said, Amber, it's going to fit. She said, no, it's not. I'm looking at it. I said, I measured it. It didn't fit. I had to go get a, a jigsaw and cut the box spring in half to get it upstairs. Every time I saw that mattress, I was reminded, measure twice, cut once. You see, what was, what was fueling Jonah's anger? See, I think Jonah had a proverbial yardstick. I think what Jonah has been carrying this around through the whole book of Jonah. And what I think he's been doing is I think he's been going to the Ninevites. God said, go tell the Ninevites that I'll destroy him, but if they'll repent... I'll give him mercy. And Jonah went over and measured the Ninevites and said, now their sin, way too big. Nah, God, I know those people. I measured them. I'm not even going to say that because they don't deserve your grace. See, Jonah had his yardstick in his hand and he's measuring. And here's, if you're taking notes, here's something you want to write down because this is true for Jonah and it might be true for you. Jonah measured God's grace wrong. He measured, he wasn't measuring how God measured. He was measuring God's grace wrong. See, what Jonah did is he measured his own sin. And he's like, yeah, I deserve God's grace. That's not so bad. Then he measured the Ninevites and said, no, that doesn't deserve God's grace. But here's what Jonah didn't realize. When Jonah was measuring the Ninevites, God was measuring Jonah. And if God had measured Jonah the same way Jonah measured the Ninevites, Jonah would not have come out of the fish, right? The fish would have just finished him off. It would have been over. But, but the reality is we tend to do this, don't we? 
Don't we tend to measure our sins small and other people's sin big? See, when you don't recognize your need for grace, you can't extend grace. When you look at yourself, it's like, I'm a pretty good person, and God sort of owes me good things because I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. You can't extend grace. See, Jonah, Jonah didn't see himself in the mirror. He literally ran away from God and told God, no. Does it get worse, Jonah? Does it get worse? It's almost like Jonah saw the Ninevites' sin and his sin differently, like a blue-collar and a white-collar sin. Like, like the Ninevites had blue-collar sin. Like they had a murder one. They had a B&E, right? Like they had some major stuff. And Jonah's like, I sort of cheated on my taxes. Very different sort of sin levels here. And what God wanted to awaken Jonah to is, listen, you're measuring my grace wrong. You're looking at yourself and you think you're worthy. And you think your stuff's not that bad. But God's saying, no, dude, I need you to see this. You're measuring wrong. And maybe you sit here, maybe you're measuring wrong. See, Jonah carried a yardstick through the whole book of Jonah. And God invited Jonah in that moment. What are you going to do? See, the reality is I was, a, I was a campus pastor at Flowery Branch. Shout out if you're in the chat. Let us know, Flower Branch folks. There we go. A couple of Flower Branch folks here. So about eight, nine years ago, uh, we had a baptism. And this dude was like tatted up. Like this guy, like the full sleeve. Like, you know, when you get a tattoo on your neck, you're legit like into tattoos. Like tattoos on his neck. This guy was rough. He had an incredible story of repentance. And God, God met him and he turned his life over to Jesus. Beautiful. So we celebrate this guy in the service. We baptize him. The whole place went nuts. It was awesome. Then after service, one of my, one of my uh, ushers came up to me and said, bro, do you know who you just baptized? I said, yeah, I'll make his name up. It was Bill. He said, no, dude. That guy was the biggest drug dealer in my high school. That cat took advantage of girls all over the place. He left a wake in his, in his past. How could you have baptized him? <sighs> See, I had to sit in that moment with him and help him process and go, so let me just get this straight. You and I deserve God's grace, and that guy doesn't. Really? You sure you want to draw lines like that? You sure you want to measure like that? See, the reality is we have to measure like God measures. It'd be like Pastor Kevin standing up and saying, I want to give an altar call. Anybody who wants to come to Jesus, come on. Pastor Kevin goes, please, God, don't let anybody come. Don't come. What? See, this is, this is Jonah's response. Let's see Jonah chapter four, verse five. Jonah had now gone out, sat down in a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. What's he doing? He left the city, went out in a hill and looked over the city and was like, God, I'm hoping that their repentance wears off and you'll just shoot a bolt of lightning down. Like he's going, I, it'd be like you seeing a car stuck on train tracks and instead of helping, you get a lawn chair and you're like, let's see what happens. Like that's jacked up. That's, that's where Jonah was living. And Jonah thought, God, maybe, maybe, God, you'll still do what I think you should do. Maybe you'll still bring the lightning and the thunder from, from upstairs and you'll take care of what I think you should take care of because they don't measure up, God. How could you? See, and then God, in chapter six, he creates a scenario in which he hopes that Jonah's gonna see how he measures is messed up. Let's read chapter four, verse six. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. 
Things you're looking up for Jonah. He's good. But at the dawn, the very next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Jonah, we get it. You want to die, bro. It's the third time. See, what's God doing? God's, God's creating a moment in which he can help Jonah see a picture of how he's messed up. His heart is still not right. He might have obeyed God and went to Nineveh, but something in his heart was still broken, was still off. So Jonah gets this plant, and the plant, uh, the type of plant that it was, the leaves would have been six, eight feet wide, so it was like a whole tent over top of him. He's like, God, thank you. Then the plant dies, and Jonah gets angry again. God, why would you give me a plant if you're just going to take it away? And then God asked Jonah this question again, just another simple question from God. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plan? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Bro, we get it. The plant withers and dies, and Jonah is angry again. And now we get to see how God measures. Jonah, Jonah was looking at this plant. He's all about the plant. God, I can't believe you let that plant die. And God's going, what about the people of Nineveh. Here's God's response. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their left hand from their right, and also many animals. God's saying, Jonah, you care about this silly plant. You care about the comfort of the shade more than you care about the people of Nineveh. They're people just like you. Jonah, what are you doing? Jonah, you, you were angry about the plant dying, and you're not angry that the Ninevites could have died. Jonah, Jonah, how in the world are you off? If you're taking notes, here's the second thing. Jonah, Jonah measured God's priorities wrong. See, Jonah prioritized this plant, and God's going, I, I prioritize people. Listen, this is good news. This is good news for all of us. God always prioritizes people, and Jonah measured the plant as more valuable than the people in Nineveh. That's tough. You can look at Jonah and go, how in the world could that sit inside your heart? How, I could never get there. So let me tell you what I think happened. Jonah knew the Ninevites. See, back in the day, the people of Israel were, were well aware. Stories were told about how evil the Ninevites were. I think, I think Jonah watched sort of the Hebrew nightly news every night and saw the stories of how bad Nineveh was and all the terrible things they did. The Assyrian people were wicked and evil. And over time, he watched that Hebrew nightly news enough that, that he, he started to let it sit in his head that they're bad people. And then eventually it moved from his head to his heart and he woke up one day and all he had was hate for those people. And here's what I, here's what I think happened. I think for Jonah, the Ninevites were not people, they were a concept. He stopped seeing them as individual people and he saw them as a, as a big evil them. Tell me, tell me we, don't, we don't get there. Let me illustrate it this way. Lee, where you at, man? All right, there's Lee. Stand up for me. Grab a mic right there. Magic mic sitting right there. Well, that was weird. A magic microphone sitting right there. That's not in the notes either. So Lee, question. Who's your favorite college football team? LSU Tigers. I got, 
Here's the problem. Yeah, po- Travis just said, point made. We're done. We get it. <laughs> so, Lee, you grew up in Louisiana. Your dad's still there, right? Yes. You yes. love Louisiana. Whole family. You love Joe Burrow, I'm sure. Yes. You're excited for what he's going to do in the NFL. Yes. Here's the problem, Lee. I love you, but I hate LSU Tigers fans. Can I get an amen? I, I, I got to reconcile something here because it's really easy to hate an LSU Tigers fan, isn't it? It's no. easy. Not for you, for us, the normal people. It's easy to hate an LSU Tigers fan. But I love, I love Lee. Like I, I can look at Lee as an LSU Tigers fan and make that you're a them. And Lee, I hate you. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Bulldog fan, bro, and I hate you. There we go. Maybe we'll see him play this year. Or I can look at Lee and say, no, that's my brother in Christ. I don't just love Lee. I love Jesus, and Lee loves Jesus, and so we both surrender to who Jesus is, and therefore, he sort of dictates who I am and how I love, and so the reality is I, I can't hate Lee and love God at the same time. I, I can justify it by making Lee a them. You're an LSU fan. That's a them. That's a group, and you're done. I don't know what you need to substitute in for the LSU Tigers, but I know this. There's something. Maybe it's political. Maybe it's fear-based. Maybe it's something that happened to you, and you've lumped all these people into a group, but I, I, can't, I can't love God and hate Lee, and it's really easy to hate a them. It's hard to hate a person. Thank you, Lee. God help you. You'll, you'll get saved someday. You'll get there. See, what God is trying to show Jonah, listen, Jonah, you're measuring wrong. You got my priorities wrong. You, don't, you, don't, you can't dream how much I love these people. See, ultimately, I think, if you're taking notes, Jonah was measuring God's heart wrong. Like, at the, at the very core of this, Jonah was missing God's heart. He, he couldn't fathom God's love. He couldn't fathom the, the lengths God would go. See, here's what I think. Here's what I think Jonah did. Chapter one, God says, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, I know who they are. I've measured them. They don't measure up to your grace, so I'm running. Chapter two, he's in the fish's belly. He doesn't have a lot of options. And he says, fine, God, I'll go. Chapter three, he shows up. And his measuring stick is still in his heart going, this is not right. It's why his message is so short. He didn't go into, please, would you repent? If you just knew God, it would be amazing. No, he said, listen, God's going to destroy you in 40 days. And he, like, Here's what he did. He bent his will. You see that? Jonah just bent his will just enough to obey God. And as soon as he left Nineveh, his measuring sticks back in place. His heart's hard again. See, sometimes I think we can, we can bend to God's will and miss his heart. See, I think Jonah simply bent to God's will and missed God's heart. See, Jonah was messed up thinking that God would just rescue and give mercy to one city. What would Jonah do if he saw the New Testament? He, he saw that much of God's heart and it messed him up. What if he'd have seen John 3.16? Like, what if Jonah would have seen this? For God so loved the world, the whole world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And listen, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jonah's head would have exploded. He, you, can't, you can't understand the size of God's heart. And Jonah still, even though he obeyed, his heart was still off. He was still measuring wrong. See, that John 3.16 can become so familiar that we make it flippant. 
If you've been around the church for any amount of time, if you've been a follower of Jesus for any amount of time, in fact, typically the greater distance from the moment you found salvation, found Jesus to today, the longer that moment is, the more at risk of this you are. You can be around the things of God and miss the heart of God. Jonah was a prophet of God and missed his heart entirely. So Jonah measured God's grace wrong. Jonah measured God's priorities wrong. Jonah measured God's hearts wrong, his heart wrong. And now he's sitting just a pouting prophet, side of a hill with a withered plant, going, God, how dare you? What are you doing? And that's the end of the book. <laughs> chapter 11, chapter four, verse 11 ends it. And the storyteller in me begs for verse 12. I want, where's my verse 12? What is Jonah? I want to see verse 12 where Jonah says, God, I repent. I'm done measuring how I measure. I want to measure how you measure. I'm done judging people. I'm, I'm, I'm done looking at my sin as small and theirs as big. God, I am so desperately in need of your grace. I, I repent. I want verse 12. We don't get verse 12. It just ends. We don't know what Jonah did. I hate that. You know what I think God's doing? I think God's turning the mirror from Jonah to you. So I don't know what Jonah would do, but I, I want to ask you, what would you do? What would, what would your response be? See, I don't know what Jonah did, but I know what God would ask Jonah to do. See, I think if, if God could have had his way in verse 12, I think here's what God would have said. Jonah, I'm done with you measuring my grace and you deciding how I apportion it out, and you deciding who's worthy and who's not worthy. Jonah, I'm ready for you to break your measuring stick. I'm ready for you to be done and to put it down and say, God, I'm tired of measuring like me. I'm tired of, of having to run around everywhere I go and holding this up and saying, this is worthy, this is not worthy. My sin's small, their sin big. God, you, they don't deserve your grace. They do deserve your I'm tired of it. I wanna lay it down and I wanna be done. See, the beauty and the power of the gospel story is this. God had a measuring stick and he was measuring you. And guess what? You didn't measure up. You have no hope of measuring up. And that's why he sent Jesus. See, Jesus went to the cross and all of our sin was put on him. All of our punishment was put on him. And in that moment, God broke the yardstick for you and for me. That's the beauty of the gospel story. And the thought that after God did that for us, that we would pick up a measuring stick and go running around measuring other people. Really? See, we started this series with a definition of revival. I want to read it again. A supernatural move of God where the church wakes up to God's agenda and the world bows to Jesus. What does it mean to get on God's agenda? What does it mean to wake up to God's agenda? I think it means that we break our yardsticks. We break our measuring sticks. We say, God, I'm, I'm done measuring how I measure. It's exhausting, God, trying to run around and decide what you should do, what you shouldn't do. See, when God called Jonah, he wasn't looking for someone to measure the Ninevites. God already knew all the evil, all the bad. He was looking for someone to get on his agenda and tell them, if only you would bow, I would forgive. When God calls you, he's not looking for someone to measure and evaluate. He's looking for someone to get on his agenda and to simply say, if only you would bow, God would forgive you. See, it's impossible to chase revival when you're carrying your yardstick. 
You can't pursue revival and hold on to your yardstick at the same time. So here's what, here's what we started with. What's the rule? You measure twice and you cut once. Maybe you've measured and then you cut. Maybe today God's gonna invite you to rethink and to remeasure. Maybe you measured once and, and you, you cut someone out and said they don't, they don't deserve God's grace or my forgiveness. God might say, ah, I want you to measure that again. See, measure, maybe you're measuring God's grace wrong and you look at yourself in the mirror, you look at your sin and go, it's not that bad. You look at someone else's sin and say, no, that's bad. Maybe God's just gonna whisper in your heart and say, maybe you need a, just a refresher on the gospel. Without my grace, if I measured how you measured, you'd be in some trouble. Maybe your priorities are off. Like Jonah cared more about the comfort of the plant than the people. Maybe there's things in your life where you're just leaning towards comfort instead of saying, God, I'm in for the mission. Maybe, maybe you're measuring God's heart wrong. Maybe you're, you're more of a, of a dutiful soldier just marching than you are a surrendered son or surrendered daughter. You know, I think that God's inviting us sort of bring our yardsticks before him. All the places we're measuring wrong, all the places we're, we're requiring people to jump through hoops to get to God, all the places that God says, no, if your ex would say yes to Jesus, I'd forgive him. If your mother-in-law said yes to Jesus, I would forgive her. If that terrible boss said yes to Jesus, I would forgive them. If ISIS said yes to Jesus, I would forgive them. And if that messes you up, we're, we're not catching God's grace. God's grace and God's heart is bigger than we could ever imagine. I think if Jonah was here today, I think he'd say, listen, break your yardstick. Be done. The beauty of the gospel is that God broke his yardstick for us. Now, what's our response? See, I don't know the, the details of your, of your world, but today you get to decide what your response will be. Now, I don't believe that God will bring revival to a bunch of people holding yardsticks. I just don't. Until we catch his heart, I don't think he's free to move. So maybe this is silly, but if you're at home or when you get home, maybe you're in 12-stone home right now, maybe you, you, you want to go find a yardstick, Home Depot or Lowe's. Maybe you want to find one that you already got in the garage. Maybe you want to get a ruler. Maybe you want to just put this in your prayer room for a while. Maybe you just want to lean it against the wall so that when you, when you go to pray, you just say, God, would you search my heart? Where am I measuring wrong? God, where am, where am I judging people like, like you don't? God, where am I off? Where am I missing your heart? And there might be a moment where you, you and God, God says, this is where you're measuring wrong. And you just, before God, you just go and you say, God, I break it. That's cheesy. Maybe five of you will do this, but, but it's going to be massive for somebody. Maybe you just need to break that and leave that sitting in your prayer room. Just every time you see it, you're going, God, I don't need to measure like I want to measure. I want to measure like you want to measure. So as we wrap the book of Jonah, we see a prophet who is reluctant, being pursued by a God who is relentless with a mission that was larger than he could have ever seen. And the same invitation sits here for us. So I want to pray for us. And as I pray, maybe there's some things that God, a name God's brought up for you. Maybe there's an event or a situation that you go, man, I didn't give that person a chance. Man, I, I've been shy about sharing the gospel because I don't want that person to come in the kingdom. They hurt me too bad. 
There's people like Jonah that, that you just wish evil on. Like, I wish bad things would happen to them. And God's going, no, you're missing my heart. If you got that, just write that down. Say, God, yeah, I'm going to deal with that with you this afternoon. So let's bow our heads here, 12 stone home. And so Jesus, there's no one like you. Thank you, God, for breaking the yardstick that you had for us on the cross. Thank you that Jesus took all of our sin, all of our shame. So God, we come before you and we ask, Lord, if there's any places in us that we're measuring wrong, God, any place that we're shrinking your grace down to our view and our heart and our size, God, I pray that you would convict us of that. And that God, as we break our proverbial yardstick and say, God, I'm done measuring like I measure, would you open up our heart to love people like you do? Would you give us opportunity for revival in this church, in this territory, God, because we love like you do? Any place that we're off in our measuring, God, would you forgive us and would we repent? There's one more group I want to flip this for. Maybe the way you view God is that God's sitting up in heaven holding a yardstick just measuring you and saying, you don't measure up. And you just see God up there waiting for you to mess up so he can go, ah, you're wrong again. Maybe you're sitting in 12 stone home and you're not a follower of Jesus because your view of God is that. God, I pray for that group. Would you, would you sit deep inside their soul, the reality, God, that you, break, that you broke the yardstick on the cross for them? And that the paradoxical good news of the gospel is that they are not enough. They never could be. They never would be. But Jesus is enough. And you measure us by Jesus, not by us anymore. Would that picture of you just deeply root in our soul? So Jesus, thank you for who you are. Would you use this series of Jonah to start an awakening in this territory? As we get our hearts aligned with yours, would you be free to move? In Jesus' name. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one. Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Thank you.